Welcome to episode number 21 of Talking Mopars. Today, we're talking Project Car of the Week, high-performance parts, listener stories, and to close out the show, we're going to talk about some recent Mopar hunting I've been doing. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Welcome to Talking Mopars. I told myself that I wouldn't talk about COVID-19, the pandemic that's going on in the world, but it's hard to avoid mentioning. So I will say this, if you are locked down, it's a great time to work on your Mopar or Mopars, if you are fortunate to have more than one. So that's all I'm going to say about COVID-19, the coronavirus, the evil pandemic going on in the world. Let's get into what we really want to talk about, Mopars. I have done a little Mopar hunting over the past couple weeks, and I want to talk about a few of the Mopars that I've tried to save and one that I actually still might be able to, as well as cover all the usual weekly segments of the show. And guess what? We have more call-ins this week than ever before, so we're going to play those, but I wanted to say that I still have a bunch of your emailed stories that I need to get to, so I'm thinking we're going to have an episode of Listener Stories here soon to, uh, you know, try to put a dent in those. So, I love getting all your emails and sharing them, but I have to encourage you to leave voicemails instead. It's just a much funner way to let you truly participate in the show, and let's be honest, you're all much better at telling your stories than I am. So either way you submit your stories is great. Keep sending them in. For those of you that haven't sent me your stories yet, there's two ways to do it. You can submit them either by sending an email to chris at talkingmopars.com or by leaving me a voice message at 209-28-MOPAR. Both are excellent ways to send me not only your stories, but literally anything else that's on your mind. Questions, comments, complaints, death threats, you name it, and I'll play it. Literally. Your voicemails will be shared on the show, and so will any Mopar stories that you email in for listener stories. And listen, let's not get too crazy in the messages. This is a family-friendly show after all. But now that we got that business out of the way, let's get this show on the road. This week's Project Car of the Week is the 1969 Plymouth Roadrunner that was posted on the Mopar Hunter Facebook page on March 25th at 3 p.m., Let's break down the ad, but first, let me say that this is another example of a seller who did a piss-poor job of creating the ad and being detailed, and I'm going to read it exactly how it's written, starting with the title and then getting into the description, so let's check it out. 1969 Roadrunner number matching 4-speed, $13,900. 1969 number matching 4-speed Roadrunner Real K2 car. This car is very complete project. Call if interested. Thanks. Title status is clean. And this is one of those ads where I'm like, come on, man. Can't you throw a little bit more information? Let me know some of the car's history. You know, how long have you had it? Why are you getting rid of it? Let me know a little bit more about the car, dude. I don't understand why that's so hard. So the seller could have done a much better job describing the car, maybe even decoding the fender tag. And they also could have done a better job of taking pictures. But a quick rundown of the car is that it needs both quarters and the vinyl top is peeling on both sides in the same spot where the quarter meets the roof. Rocker panels on both sides need to be replaced. I can't see the trunk floor extensions, but the center of the trunk definitely needs to be replaced. And there's still carpet on the inside so I cannot see the floorboards, but the pictures of the underside of the car, it looks pretty solid. It is missing the driveline, and it does have, looks like coilovers on the back, so that's a little bit weird. It's got an eight and three quarter rear end, and it still has the, looks like factory leaf springs in addition to the coilovers, so that's a little curious. The underside looks pretty solid, so I'm really impressed with what I see underneath there. Uh, the pictures of the door jams, the door jams don't appear to be rotted like you see on some of these cars that have been sitting for a while. Sometimes you see a lot of rot in the door jams, but I don't see any of that. So this is pretty solid. The interior, you know, it definitely needs work. New door panels, probably needs a headliner, obviously new carpet, um, 
steering wheel needs work. The shifter is laying on its side, it looks like in the picture, so that needs to be hooked up, but it's not too bad. Under hood, you can see that it's missing the dipstick, it looks like, and there's no oil cap or breathers on the valve covers, so it looks like the valve covers could potentially have been exposed to the elements, which is not good. Uh, it's got some bucket seats on the interior. I don't remember if I mentioned that. Um, it also appears to have a stripe on the back of the trunk lid, much like the 1970 Roadrunners that had that stripe, except for it doesn't say Roadrunner, so I would definitely take that off. The rear bumper looks like it needs to be replaced. Right underneath the rear window molding, it looks like it's rusting there a little bit. At least that's what it looks like in the pictures. The car's not too bad. Other than needing quarters and rockers and a trunk floor, it doesn't look bad. I'm curious about the rear suspension on it, but you know, overall it's a pretty solid car. You know, it's got the typical Mopar problems, you know, the vinyl top problems and the quarter panel problems. It has carpet on the interior, so I can't say whether or not it needs floors, but the underside of the car looks really clean um, compared to some of the exterior, which needs some help. But, you know, overall, it's not too bad of a car. It's a cool color. It's got the stripes on the hood. You know, it's 13,900. The picture of the fender tag, it decodes as a true Roadrunner. It's RM23. It was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and it is originally a four-speed manual transmission. It's got the D21 code. It's also got the K2 code, which is the paint code for vitamin C, so that's cool. The interior, the fender tag code H2X actually says it's a black vinyl bench seat, so that's interesting. It does have the V21 option, so that's the performance hood treatment. So I really like how this car is set up. Vitamin C with the four speed, that's cool, and the performance hood treatment. So this is a cool car, but let's talk about the price. The car's 13,900, it is numbers matching, it is a four speed car. It's your basic budget performance car for 1969, which is exactly what it was meant to be. It's the right color, it's the right look. You know, this thing brand new was pretty cool. This is the type of car where if I was alive during the time period and I saw this on the lot, I would definitely be attracted to it. It's got the right color. It's definitely one of my favorite colors for a Roadrunner. It's got the V21 Performance Hood treatment, which I always thought was cool. The car needs some work, let's be honest. And if I bought this Roadrunner, first thing I would do is pull the valve covers and see what we're working with. If the heads look pretty bad underneath there, I'd probably just yank the engine and just tear it down. Since it is numbers matching, I do think it would be cool to take the engine out, get it rebuilt, but leave it looking a little ratty, you know what I mean? And then drop it back in the car and get this thing running safely. As I always say, make sure it's safe to drive on the road before you get out there and get yourself or somebody else killed. Make sure your brakes work and that the suspension is good. You know, you don't want to put anybody's life in danger, especially your own. Believe it or not, there is a such thing as a safe, ratty muscle car, and you can make this thing safe to drive and, you know, take it out. This car has the potential to be a really fun, ratty muscle car. So, for $13,900, I'd like to see this thing around $8,000, <laughs> but it is numbers matching. It is a four-speed. It's the right color. It's got the V21. I know I keep saying V21. I just think it's a really cool option, all right? Leave me alone. <laughs> so this car has a lot of good things going for it. It also has some questionable things, but if you wanted to cruise around in a cool, ratty Mopar, this would be one that I would consider pretty cool, okay? So... 13.9, I'd like to see it around 8,000. I'd probably spend as much as 95. I don't know if I could justify five figures for this car. You know, I don't know if I could pull 10 grand and buy this thing, but it is cool. So I don't know, maybe maybe I'd go as high as 10, but you know, that's almost 4,000 off his asking price. He has the selling point that it's numbers matching. So I'd get underneath this thing, make sure that transmission is matching too. If all the numbers do match, then maybe this would be a cool car to invest some money into. You know, I personally, the only thing this thing is missing is the Hemi. It's got the right color. It's four speed. This car is cool. I do think it deserves to be saved. 13.9, is it a high price? In my opinion, maybe a little. If I had a disposable income, would I pay the guy 13.9 to take the car off his hands and save it? Absolutely. 
but I'm Mopar broke, much like a lot of you. So I would definitely try to get into the four figure range. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that say this car is only worth a thousand bucks. I definitely don't agree with that. I think it's definitely, you know, it's up there, not, not 10,000 in my opinion, but you know, I, I'd probably fork out 10,000 because I think the car's cool. All right. So that's project car of the week, a matching number 69 Roadrunner four speed car in vitamin C. Very cool project. Somebody needs to save it. No Mopar left behind. This is High Performance Parts, the segment of the show where we take a couple minutes to highlight a Mopar from TV or movie history. This week's High Performance Part belongs to the 1971 Charger RT in Vampire in Brooklyn, the 1995 movie starring Eddie Murphy. Pretty sure that from the title alone, you can figure out what the movie is. It's about a vampire who finds his way to Brooklyn. The best part about the movie, if you ask me, was the Charger. It's a 1971 Charger RT that is a 446 pack car, and it is the only one used in the movie, and it is a real 446 pack Charger RT from what I understand. It's blue with a black vinyl top. It's got a go wing. It's got the cool hidden headlights and a nice set of Mopar rally wheels with the white letter tires. Very cool car. Black bucket seat interior. If you get a chance, check the movie out and look for the car. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a pristine car. I love 7172 Chargers and Roadrunners, Satellites, you know, the whole meal deal. How many times do I have to say that I'm an equal opportunity Mopar enthusiast? I love them all, but that doesn't mean that some are not better than others. Let's be honest, okay? I have a 1969 Dodge Dart, and if someone said, hey, do you want this 69 Roadrunner instead? I'll trade you straight up. If they were similar condition, I wouldn't even think twice. <laughs> Bye, Dart. See you later. Have a nice life. <laughs> you know, even though there is some sentimental attachment based on the fact that it was similar to my dad's, but still, you're talking about a Dart versus a Roadrunner, okay? Now, some people disagree with that, and that's okay, because we all have different opinions, all right? So if you don't like Mopars after 1970, I can't help you, but I do. And that's why this week's high-performance part belongs to the 1971 Charger RT 446-pack car from the movie Vampire in Brooklyn. That was high-performance parts. All right, folks, this is it. Listener stories. And this week we got a bunch of voicemails. So we're going to hold off on emailed stories again to listen to the voice messages. But for those of you whose story that was emailed in and has still not been shared yet, don't worry. I haven't forgotten about you. And like I said earlier, we're going to be doing a listener story episode very soon to try and put another big dent in the pile. But for this week, we're going to listen to some more voicemails. First up, we have Jerry from Pennsylvania. This is Jerry's message. This is Jerry from Pennsylvania, and I'm calling about one that got away. Um, I had driven by a 1968 Dodge Dart that was abandoned on the front of a, lawn of a uh, really decrepit house a couple of miles away from where I live. And it sat there for a couple of weeks. And I drive by and go, man, that must be for sale. 68 Dodge Dart, green, green vinyl roof, green interior, um, probably a 318. But... The roof was peeling, the paint was peeling, it was obviously abandoned and in horrible shape. I went up to the door, nobody was home. A neighbor said that the guy who was there was some kind of crazy guy who uh, was um, in, I guess, some kind of arrears on the house. His house was fully overgrown, the township was on his ass. So the neighbor said, oh, I'll tell him you're interested in the car. But I left my name and number, but I never heard from the neighbor. I drove by again, the car was still there, but then I'm like, should I go up to this door again? And I didn't. Went by a couple weeks later, and the whole house had pretty much been almost uh, raised to the ground. They took all the trees, all the bushes, the car was off the lawn, um, the whole house, I guess the township had come in and forced the guy to move, and he was out there. This crazy looking guy, giant white beard, I kind of pulled over and said, hey, what happened to your 68 guard? And he said, the township took it to the junkyard, and he said it was worth 50 bucks. So that was my story of a Dodge Dart that got away. Um, I was so upset because I know I could have got it for nothing. It was a wreck, but still, I could have got it for nothing. 
but that's just one of the many Mopars that got away, and uh, I still think about it when they go by that house. Oh, if I could only have gotten that car. But anyway, love the podcast, and um, take care. Hey, Jerry, thanks for sending in your story. It's always tough when you have those cars that get away. I know exactly how that feels. And it's one of the reasons why I now say stay persistent. If you see a car that you're really interested in, always check up on it. I, there's a couple cars that I know about that I check up on maybe once a month for each one of them. Um, a lot of them are on my routes at work. I've said before that I'm a garbage man, so I actually haul residential recycle. So I'm in neighborhoods all the time, and there's a couple of Mopars out there. So I keep tabs on a few of them. And I've left cards. I've tried to contact the owners. Um, a couple of them said, you know, same old song and dance, not for sale, blah, blah, blah. But I'm there every week, so I get to check up on them. And then there's other cars that are not anywhere near my work that I drive by every once in a while and just check up on. You know, maybe not so much that I'm interested in buying them, but I'm always curious about them because I'm just a big fan of the stories of these cars, too. Anyway, Jerry, yeah, that's a shame that you missed out on that dart, especially for 50 bucks. You know, it's unfortunate that you missed out on that one, but I bet something tells me that you're not going to let that happen again. So for anybody out there listening that sees a car and you've been hesitant to act on it, be persistent, be polite, and those are the two biggest things that are crucial if you want to get closer to a car. And by that, I mean get close enough to look at it or potentially buy it. So keep that in mind the next time you see that 1968 Dodge Charger just rotting in someone's front yard. Go up, ask them about it, be polite. You know, try to get the story. It's always fun getting the story first anyway, because if you're going to end up buying the car, you need the story. So get the story first and then work it in later, okay? That was our first message. Let's get into message number two, which is from Grant, and he's up in Iowa. Here is Grant's message. Hey, man, uh, this is Grant calling in from Iowa. Uh, huge fan of the podcast. Just figured I'd call in and tell my Mopar story. Um, I got three minutes, so we're going to see if we can't do it. So, um, you know, like I said, I'm a farmer here in Iowa. We've always kind of been a Mopar family. Um, you know, my grandpa, just as long as I can remember everything from Dodge trucks to my grandma's old K car and everything in between. Um, and my grandpa did, uh, he ran a rural marijuana mail route for like 12 years or something with an 83 Ram Charger. Uh, when I first got to high school, I wanted my first car to be my dad's uh, 74 Charger that was kind of sitting in the weeds and uh, just kind of, I think my mom got in an accident with it back in the day and it, it kind of got parked and I always wanted to wanted to get that going. Uh, I still haven't done that. That's been over 10 years now. Uh, but instead, uh, me and my sister had to share my folks 2000 Intrepid. Now, that's a forgettable car for you right there. Um, that thing was a boat. We, 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 we liked it. I mean, it was a good first car for us. We kind of beat on it a little bit until one day I was trying to drive from farm to farm and I wasn't going to make it home on the, with the gas that I had. So I, there was a gas can sitting there, figured it had to be gas poured it in. Well, it turned out to be diesel fuel and I puked the thing out in the middle of the road halfway home. Um, so ended up selling that to a buddy of mine, um, who ended up draining the tank and flipping it, but after that, uh, my dad bought a, a 99 Chrysler 300, essentially the, the same car. My sister drove that, and I was able to, uh, perfect opportunity for me to pull his uh, 86 uh, W150 truck out of the weeds. My girlfriend's dad at the time kind of helped me rewire it, make sure I wasn't going to, you know, die flying down the road, and and I still got that truck. It doesn't run, but, you know, someday it'll, like, hopefully get her going again. Um, things still shook like crazy over 55 mile an hour, and I think I put about, uh, I would say, two starters in it a year. I don't know why, but I think just eight starters. So after that, um, we um, made it through high school, and I needed a little more reliable car to get to, to get to community college, so I got my grandparents' 2006 Grand Caravan. Now, this had the stone go seating, so that made it, you know, that much cooler. Total, total trick magnet. I uh, drove that back and forth to community college, and um, after school was done, I came back to the farm and uh, had to get something a little bit better uh, for actually working, so I got a, just a 2015 uh, 1500 uh, pickup. Nothing, nothing too crazy, but it's nice. I really like it. it 
get get the job done. Um, I guess for, you know right now I got a stable stable job and a nice nicer vehicle. I'm always on the hunt for projects. It would be nice to get my old pickup running, but um, always on the lookout for stuff. I guess for future projects, you know, I'd love to do a, a 69 Charger of some sort. Uh, that's just always been my dream. You know, Dukes of Hazard and all that uh, would be pretty awesome. I'd, I'd love to have a resto mod of, of some sort, um, just to, you know, kind of a cool classic look, but, you know, the thing still gets uh, a decent mileage and, and just looks good doing it. Um, but, you know, it seems like I always got a ton of ideas for, you know, coming swapping trucks and, you know, drag trucks, all sorts of crazy things that I, I just like to try. So I'm, I'm always looking to looking for de- deals and looking to, to just to learn about the stuff, too. I mean, I I feel like my knowledge is pretty limited. I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm always willing to, to learn more. And uh, that's why I really enjoy listening to your podcast and all the all the other info you put out on the on various social media pages. So I appreciate that. Keep up the good work. Um, yeah, just want to continue on as a, as a Mopar family. I mean, I know my dad, my brother, and I have always been looking at uh, going in on a like a real nice road runner. We argue back and forth whether we'd rather have a 68, a 69, or a 70. Personally, I like the 70s, but they, they say otherwise. But um, So, yeah, that's... That's just something we're excited about, and I just enjoy listening to the podcast, all the all the info and everything. If nothing else, looking over the the, the project car of the week and stuff, and things that I can dream of buying or let my let my imagination get away from me. So, anyways, keep up the good work. I uh, love what you're doing, and yeah, keep I'll keep tuning in. Have a good one. Hey, Grant. Thanks for sending in your story, and thanks for the kind words about the podcast. I try my best to you know, kind of blend the information for new people that are just getting into Mopars and information for people that are Mopar enthusiasts, but maybe they don't have a deep knowledge of Mopar. And also, hopefully, the hardcore Mopar guys will listen to the show. I'm sure that they listen to it and nitpick everything I say, but that's okay. Everybody's welcome here on Talking Mopars. And I'm also in the same boat as you. I know enough to be dangerous. I've said it on this podcast that I know a little bit about a lot, and I'm happy with that. I love learning about this stuff. I think it's really fun. You know, I hope there's a lot of people out there that listen to the show like yourself and learn a thing or two, even if it's something small. I think that's really cool, and I take a lot of pride in this podcast and being able to help people and entertain people, too. I think that's really important. And based on your story, Grant, it sounds to me like you've got Mopar in the blood. So I think being a Mopar enthusiast comes naturally to you. Um, I do hope that you get a Roadrunner. They're all cool. You know, it all just depends on personal preference. There are certain things I like about each one. They're just really cool. I personally, you know, it's a real toss-up for me because I love, absolutely love, 68 through 72s. I... There's a lot of little things that I like about each one. So for me, I'd be happy with just a Roadrunner period. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, you know, I'm a beggar. I can't be choosy. You know what I'm saying? So it's cool that your family is so enthusiastic about Mopars that you guys are willing to go all in on a project together. I think that's cool. And that sounds like a lot of fun to me. I just wonder whose name's going to be on that title. You know what I mean? When you guys get all that money invested in that car, I guess you guys could split it three ways. Um, you know, you take it Saturday, Sunday, you know, dad takes it Monday, Tuesday, brother takes it Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, you got to figure out, you know, you can alternate Friday nights, (laughs) but very cool. Grant, I'm glad that you're listening. I'm glad that you like this show and Hey, you're a farmer. So first and foremost, I should have said this at the beginning. Thank you for what you do, man. I don't think farmers get enough credit. So thanks for that. And, you know, I hope you get your projects going. I hope you find that Roadrunner you're looking for. And I'm glad you like Project Car of the Week. You know, I had a review a couple weeks ago where the guy really hates Project Car of the Week, I guess. You know, that's the vibe I got from him. I love Project Car of the Week because that's what I do. That's how I started this. That's the Mopar Hunter got the ball rolling on all of this. So if it had never been for me looking and being obsessed with Project Cars and looking at cars online... You know, starting way back in the day, uh, the old America Online days, 
I was looking at cars for sale online. And even before that, auto traders and old car traders and deals on wheels and the little nickel one ads, all those types of classified ads I obsessed over. And that's what led to the Mopar Hunter. And that's what led to this. So, you know, I was a little bit nice to that guy. But now that I've had a couple weeks to think about it, you know, screw that guy. You know, we're doing Project Car of the Week for the rest of the lifespan of this show. So if you don't like it, stop listening. But if you do like it, good news. We're going to keep going with Project Car of the Week. I think Project Cars and Ratty Mopars, I think they're great. I also think that fully restored Mopars are great. You know what? I like all Mopars. And I don't complain. I'm just, I'm happy with the people that are happy with this show. Because I, I really just want to provide something fun for Mopar enthusiasts. You know, and if you find little things to nitpick about this show, then I don't really think you're a real Mopar enthusiast because, hey, go find another Mopar podcast. Good luck, and then we'll see you when you get back. And I'll be here with open arms to go, hey, see, I told you. Come on. Come on, it's okay. It's okay. Show me where the podcast touched you, okay? (laughs) We're just having fun here. That's what this show's about. It's about having fun with Mopars and talking Mopars. So that's what we're doing here. Thanks, Grant, for sending in your story, and keep me posted. If you get a Roadrunner, let me know. I'd love to see it. I'd love to talk to you about it. And that's Grant's message. So, hey, Grant, thanks for listening, buddy. Our final listener message for this week comes to us from an old friend. Johnny Mopar is back with another fun story. I'm sure this one is going to make us just as jealous as the last one. So, here's Johnny with another fun Mopar story for us. Hey, Chris. Johnny Mopar again, giving you my story on my uh, 72 Dodge Charger. Anyway, this goes back quite a few years ago. Um, one day, I'm hanging out with some buddies, and we're playing some cards. It's the same old guys. And out of the blue, one of the guys says, you know, I think my father-in-law's got one of those old Mopars or Dodge or something. And I go, well, what kind? And he's like, I don't know. I go, does it look like the General Lee? And he's like, yeah, I think it looks like that. I'm like, God, all right, well, I got to go see this thing. And he was kind of wishy-washy, so I wasn't even sure what this thing could be, you know, a Valiant, a Duster, a Charger, who knows. But, of course, I had to go check it out. So I go over there. Um, sure enough, we get into the yard, and it's a 68 Dodge Charger. It's got a 383 Hypo in it, non-AC car, automatic. It was pretty rusty, but um, I asked the guy, I said, well, how much do you want for it? And he goes, um, I'll take 300 bucks for it. And I said, all right, sounds like a good price. I'll buy it. And he goes, well, do you want another one? And I go, you got another one? He goes, yeah. And he points over in the yard and I could tell it's a 72 charger. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't need another car. And he, and so he's like, okay. And then I'm like, well, how much do you want for it? Thinking if he sold me a 68 for 300 bucks, maybe if it's a hundred bucks, I'll buy it. And he says, Oh, you could just have it. I just want it out of the yard. And I'm like, Oh, cool. All right, cool. I'll take it. Uh, that car was missing its drivetrain. It was originally a 400 car, um, with an automatic. So I dragged both cars home. The 68, um, is pretty rusty. You know, back in those days, most people didn't waste their time with a rusty car, so I didn't even bother. I took the grill out of it, took the hood. I took a few parts off of the car, the seats and stuff, and then I sold the rest of the car off off for 300 bucks, which I regret today. The 72, which I didn't even really want that much back then, sat in my yard for a few years, on my parents' yard for a few years. Uh, one day I'm hanging out with a buddy, and we're to always talking cars. He's a work buddy, and he expressed interest in having a Mopar, and I said, uh, hey, do you want to buy that 72 Charger? And he's like, yeah, I like those cars. Well, how much? And I said, well, how about 300 bucks? And he goes, okay. So he buys it, drags it to his place. It sits there for a couple of years. He doesn't do anything to the car. And then one day, he's, we're bullshitting, and he says, uh, hey, do you want to buy that Charger back? And I go, well, how much? And he says, I'll sell it to you what he sold, sold it to me for, for three in a box. So I'm like, all right. So I buy it back. 
Um, it sat for another couple of years, and then this same buddy and I take a class down in San Marcos, um, uh, auto body class. So I drag the car down there every Saturday. He drags some fenders and hoods and parts and stuff and does some body work, and I did some body work on the car. Uh, I'm still no body man, so we did that for a semester. Uh, car sits a little bit. I have a friend that painted my duster work on the car. He didn't do that great of a job. Um, he was cheap, but, yeah, his work wasn't that great. So I had my other friend that painted my coronet. He worked on the Charger, and he smoothed out the car. Um, the car was actually really solid. That car didn't have any rust anywhere in it. Um, he also mini-tubbed the car for me, put frame connectors in, he closed the firewall off because it was an AC car, um, just to make it look more clean. And, uh, yeah, I've been working on it ever since. So, I mean, off and on, I should say. So the car is still needs a lot of work, needs to go back together, but... Uh, it'll be pretty bitching when it's done. So I'm going to shoot you pictures of both the 68 and the 72 Charger chargers, and uh, so you can post it on Talking Mopars. All right, man. Keep up the good work. Good luck on that 71 Charger. I hope you get it. Those are bitching cars. All right, man. Late. Johnny, 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 once again, You've probably just blown the minds of the thousands of listeners that we have to this show. Okay. Another $300 charger. Actually, the first, the first story you sent in was the hundred dollar 68. Now you spend 300 bucks on a 68. Okay. That's $400 on six, on two 68 chargers. I, I mean, I know people that would pay, gosh, 10 times that much. <laughs> for two chargers, two 68 chargers in today's market, okay? People would line up around the block to, to pay $4,000 for two 68 chargers, no matter what condition. And I know there's some people out there, oh, I wouldn't buy a rusty charger. Shut up, you would, okay? If, if somebody said, hey, hey man, I got a couple 68 chargers, you know, one's 100 bucks and the other one's 400 bucks or 300 bucks or whatever, you know, come take a look. I'll be like, oh, no need to look. Uh, I'll be over there with the trailer here in a few minutes. Actually, here here's 800 okay? I feel bad for you. <laughs> I don't know what you need this money for, but here's double. You know, get double whatever you need. <laughs> That's a, uh, gosh, I, I've said it before. I grew up in the wrong era, man. I don't know what I would have done back then. I've thought about selling my dart a couple times, you know, and it, this isn't, this is modern day, so... I couldn't even get close to what I have in it. And all I have is a pile of parts, really, you know? So, Johnny, I understand why you regret getting rid of the car for 300 bucks, But, you know, it is what it is. You took all the parts you needed off of it. So you bought it for 300 bucks. Then you take it home, take all the parts you need off of it, sell it for 300 bucks. You also get a, a free 72 charge. So you go there, buy the 68 charger for 300 bucks. The guy's like, hey, I got another one. And you're not really interested until he says it's free. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I'll take it. You just wet all the Mopar beaks <laughs> in the pond, okay? Everybody listening to this show is like, this guy's got, a, he's had a $100 68 charger and then a $300 68 charger. And they're bitter, okay? I'm not bitter. I think it's great. <laughs> I, I think it's funny that you don't have that 68, but you kept the 72. And the car had no rust and he gave it to you for free. That's amazing. So, hey, you know, you can't beat that deal. I think it's funny that, that you sold the car for 300 bucks and then ended up buying it back for 300 bucks. So it was basically a wash in the end. You took a no interest loan, essentially is what happened there. But very cool that you still have the car. You let the cat out of the bag about what I was going to talk about today, about the 71 Charger. So, you know, now that we've heard Johnny's amazing story about more cheap Mopars and a free Mopar, what Mopar is better than a free Mopar? None. Free Mopars? Hey, sign me up. If this podcast ever allows me to do something cool, I would love to be able to give away Mopar Project Cars. If I could somehow generate enough of an audience where I could afford to buy a Project Car and give it away to somebody like, here you go, buddy, from the Mopar Hunter, that would be awesome. And I would love to give away... Like if I did, if I eventually did something where, you know, I was acquiring project cars and getting them, like we talk about project car of the week, I talk about getting the cars safe enough to drive 
So just enjoying a ratty Mopar. If I could get to the point where I could do that, I could get these project cars, get them safe to drive, and then do giveaways, that would be awesome. I would love to have an army of ratty Mopars that were found and given to my audience members. I think that would be awesome. And gosh, that's going to have to go on my goal list. So there you go. Johnny, I think I got a little bit off track there. But hey, buddy, thanks for sending in your story. Your stories are always fun. Much like I I don't think I've ever had a story that I haven't enjoyed reading on the show or listening to. So to anybody out there who sent in stories, thank you very much. Johnny, yours never disappoint. Um, If anything, every time I listen to a Johnny story, I go and I look, I scour the internet. I'm like, there's got to be at least one $500 Mopar out here. (laughs) You know, no luck until recently, which is what we're about to get into. So that was listener stories. And folks, I think you can see why I enjoy the voicemails more than the emails. Not because it's not you. It's definitely me. I suck at reading your stories when compared to you telling them yourself. So for those of you that haven't sent in a story yet, go ahead and leave me your story on voicemail at 209-28-MOPAR. And if your message does go over three minutes, don't worry. Call back as many times as you need to. And, you know, try to just pick up where you left off. And I'll splice your story together and share it on the show. And, of course, if you're shy and you're afraid to talk to thousands of people listening to the show, (laughs) um, you can still send me an email. I'll still read those. It just may take me a little bit. Um, like I said, we're going to do a listener story episode here pretty soon. I hope I get at least one voicemail a week. That would be really fun. So for those of you out there that have been listening lately, um, ever since I started taking voicemails, I hope they've encouraged you to go, Hey, I want to tell my story now. I don't really feel like typing it all out, but you know, I'll tell my story over a few minutes. That would be fun. I hope you guys call in. That would be amazing. But if you want to email Send it to chris at talkingmopars.com. Once again, the phone number for my voicemail is 209-28-MOPAR. That was listener stories. Let's get in to some Mopar hunting. There are wrecking yards or salvage yards or junk yards called pick and pulls. And for a dollar, you can go check out the yards and see what's out there and what they got before they hit the crusher. And, you know, I was driving by the other week, and I saw that they were open, and I decided, you know what, let me go see what they got. You never know. And to my surprise, they had a few Mopars in there that I was interested in. One of them was a 1977 Dodge Ram Charger. The other was a 1976 short wheelbase Dodge D100. And the other one was a 68 Plymouth Fury Convertible. So... I checked out the Fury, and it was pretty pillaged. Um, Even the fender tag was gone. So, you know, after snapping a picture of it and just taking a look and just kind of, you know, checking her out. And then I moved on over to one of my favorite sections of the yard, which is the classic truck section. And there I saw a 77 Ram Charger, and it had been pretty pillaged. The grill was completely screwed up, which is a shame because I, if it was in good shape, I would have bought it. But... When I see these types of trucks, the 72 to 80 tin grills, I get excited because there aren't too many that show up in the wrecking yards near me. So I'm looking for any part that I could potentially use for my little 76 D100. Now the Ram Charger, it was pretty pillaged and it really didn't have anything that I needed at the time. So I basically was just taking a look at it and seeing if there was anything I could possibly use. And there really wasn't. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'll go, you know, take a look around at some other stuff and then I'll come back and, you know, take a second look at it. That's usually what I do. Unless I see something I have to have, I'll kind of just browse the lot, see what's on the yard. And if there's anything I need, I'll go pick it. So I look at the Ram charger and I go, okay, let me see what else this yard has. And I look over, I see a 76 short wheelbase Dodge truck. So immediately I'm like, oh boy, here we go. So I hustle over there and I see that unfortunately this truck has been pretty pillaged. They ransack these trucks and just completely, you know, destroy whatever they have to, to get to whatever part they need, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of stuff that's good that gets damaged in the process. And with these old tin grills, they're really hard to find parts for, you know, if you don't know where to look. 
And, you know, these aren't C10s where you can build them out of a catalog, at least not yet, and probably not ever. But when these end up on the yards, they're pillaged pretty quick. So if you're not there within the first day or two, you know, good luck getting any of the hard-to-find parts. So this thing was pretty pillaged, and I took some pictures. I left Pick and Pull, and I posted the pictures on social media, and someone suggested that I buy the whole truck. And I thought to myself, you know, that's not a bad idea because I wanted to just buy the frame. You know, after thinking about it, I was like, maybe I can just buy the frame and build a custom frame for my 76. Because my 76, you know, there's been some work done to the frame on it and I'm not too happy with it. So I thought maybe I'd just, you know, patch up the one I have and then buy this frame and like build it on the side as like a little side project, building a new frame for my truck. So... I looked at the price and it was like 250 bucks for the frame. So I call, they say I have to take the truck all the way apart to get the frame. And I'm like, okay, well, why not just buy the whole truck? So I try to work out a deal with them to buy the whole truck. And they say that it was going to cost way too much to make sense. And I really didn't understand, but I guess the way they do it is if you want something directly off the yard, they basically price it like a rebuildable, which is generally over a thousand bucks. And I was like, I'm not paying over a thousand bucks for a truck that's been pillaged like that. So I told him, look, the truck looks to be on death row. So before you crush it, come up with a price that's reasonable and call me up and I'll try to come buy it. That was the last I heard of it. I posted the pictures of the little Mopar adventure on social media and somebody reached out and said, oh, I got a buddy that's got one of those trucks. So he says, PM me for more info. And I'll try to make this story as short as possible. I PM him. Turns out his buddy's got a 75 short wheelbase, two-wheel drive, manual transmission, V8 running and driving truck, uh, and it's black. The description sounded great to me. You know, when I heard what the truck was, I was like, okay, cool. And then I got some pictures of it, and I was like, okay, you know, this is promising. You know, it did look a little rusty, but I was like, I wanted to see the truck. So now I'm going out to see this truck. Now we pull into this lot, and it's kind of in a, let's just say it's in a business park. And we pull in this park and I'm glancing around and I'm seeing Mopars from all different years. And I'm like, okay, you know, and some of them are, you know, pretty derelict condition. And then some of them, you know, look pretty good. So I don't even see the truck yet. I park my truck. I get out. And the first thing I see is not the truck that I had come to check out in the first place. What I see is a certain color. I see EL5. I knew immediately the first thing that popped in my head was EL5 butterscotch. That's Bahama yellow. And I'm not going to lie to you. At that point, I didn't even really care about the truck. I wanted to know more about that car, which I noticed immediately was a Charger. 71 or 72. Um, I needed to get a closer look. So listen, I was there to look at the Dodge truck and I was still interested in the truck. So I decided to keep my focus on the truck, knowing that I was surrounded by some potentially cool project cars. So I go and I look at this truck and it's far rustier than mine, if I'm being honest. So, you know, the price they gave me was decent. And, you know, if, if I didn't have my truck, I would have seriously considered buying that one. You know, it was a V8 truck. It was a manual transmission, two wheel drive, short wheelbase. It had everything going for it. You know, but it needed a lot of rust repair. The floor was one of the worst floors I've ever seen in a tin grill up close. No tailgate. Um, Underneath was pretty gnarly. Nothing, you know, nothing rotting per se, but it was in pretty gnarly condition. Um, The roof at the top of the windshield was starting to rust out. And, you know, I was just like, oh, gosh, you know, mine's not this bad. And I really don't need another truck but I want one. And you know that feeling you get when you know you're probably not going to buy something, but maybe that's kind of the feeling I got with this truck. I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'll think about it. But I just, <laughs> it was like my eyes had magnets in them and I could not stop glancing over at this charger, which turned out to be a 1971 base model charger, 318-904 car. But it was EL5. Now, of course, I'm interested in whether or not it's originally EL5. So I kind of walk 
by the car and I look inside it and I see, oh, it's got an FC7 door. The driver's side door is FC7. So I'm like, okay, we got a plum crazy purple door on this thing, you know, that's painted EL5 on the outside. And I'm looking inside the car. The car is completely stripped on the inside with the exception of the dash and the column, and the steering wheel. And somebody cut a hole in the floor for a floor shifter. It was originally a column shift car, but there's no interior. There's no seats. Um, the headliners, you know, roached. So I'm like, okay, it was originally EL5. So I'm really excited because I'm like, oh, cool, man. I wish there was a 446 pack car or something. And I'm like, well, then I couldn't afford it is what I'm thinking in my head. And so the guy who brought me out to this property, his friend that owned the vehicles came out and we started talking. I was like, look, I basically... I got to ask about this charger here, this EL5 charger. And we kind of diverted the attention away from the truck for a minute, but I could tell that the owner of the truck just wanted to sell the truck. <laughs> you know, he was kind of pushing the truck on me a little bit, you know, not in a aggressive way, but I could tell he wanted to sell the truck. And, you know, I, I liked the truck, but it was a little bit more of a project than I wanted or needed at the time. Here's where I contradict myself, okay? So I'm looking at the truck, and I'm like, I already got a truck, you know? I don't need one, and this one needs a lot more work than I'm willing to put into it at this current moment in time. But I'm not willing to completely, you know, forget about it just yet. So I, again, turn my attention over to the Charger because I realize that I'm probably not going to make a move on this truck today. So... I, I'm looking at this charger and I'm in my head, I'm thinking to myself, it's EL5, you know, it's probably out of my price range because I really don't have, you know, a budget per se as far as, oh, I can spend up to 10 grand. Now, now my budget is slim to none. And with this whole virus thing and all that fun stuff, I really shouldn't be spending any of the money because doing this podcast and some of my other endeavors does cost money. And... I really shouldn't be buying a project car at this time. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, I have to know more about this charger, but I have this money burning a hole in my pocket and it shouldn't be. I should be saving this money, but being the Mopar hunter that I am, if I'm given an opportunity to spend my money, I might as well spend it on a Mopar project car because that's what I do. <laughs> and so I'll try to make this as short as possible, but it's a 71 charger and it is originally EL5. It's a very low option car, but there's just something about it. I don't know what it is. There's just something about it that just, I wanted it. I knew as soon as I saw it, as soon as I got out of my truck and I looked down, because you kind of park above the cars, like there's a little, the way the property's set up is you kind of look down upon the cars. And, you know, this is the first thing I saw was this EL5 charger and... Oh, man, I kind of knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm going to make a play on that one. I don't know what we're going to do here. But I started talking to the owner and it's actually, you know, the car, when you first look at it, you're like, ooh, this thing needs a lot of work. But the closer you get to it now, I don't know if you've ever seen these types of cars, but you'll see a car that looks really rough. But then you get into the nitty gritty details of it and you're like, OK, maybe it's not that bad. You know, there's a little damage on the rear quarter on the passenger side of this car got pushed in a little bit. No big deal, really. So I'm like, okay, that's the biggest eyesore on this thing. The rockers aren't too bad, at least on the passenger side. Driver side looks pretty solid um, compared. Um, it did have the driver door replaced. We know that because of the FC7 on the inside, because like I said, this thing doesn't have interior, so there's no interior panels. It doesn't have an engine. So I'm like, okay. And it was a base model charger, so no big deal anyway without the engine. But so I know this car needs a lot of work. And I know that, you know, the later model B bodies, anything pretty much past 71, they're a little bit harder to find parts for. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but from what I've seen, they're a little bit harder than some of the other cars. But there's just something about this car that I really like. And I think it's the color, to be honest. I really like EL5. I've always been a fan. Um, it's a love it or hate it color, I think. Maybe there's some people that are partial to it, but I've noticed that some people are like, uh, or some people are like, yes, I am a yes man. I love the color. And when I found out it was originally EL5, I thought this will be a great opportunity 
to have an EL5 car that I can build how I want. And two visions came to my head for this car. I pictured one, a ratty street car. And then two, a ratty drag car. And then I'm like, well, can we make a combination of the two with this thing? And I was like, well, I really, I still have the dart and I still have the truck at home. I have other projects. And then I thought, you know, maybe if I got this car, I could center a bunch of content on my social media around it. And I think that would be fun. And I've been dying to do a YouTube. I just, I really don't have time, but I will force time to create a YouTube channel just to feature a new car, just something new. I've got shiny object syndrome, okay? I like new stuff, you know, even if it's old and rusty, if that makes any sense. So I asked the guy how much he wants for the charger and he floors me with what he tells me because I was not expecting that number. Not that the car's worth more than that, but, you know, it is a Mopar, and you and I both know how people are with Mopar pricing these days. So it was actually refreshing to hear the number that he said, and I I was kind of taken aback. I was like, oh, well, um, okay, I'm buying it. <laughs> and uh, But it's tough because, you know, I really have no business buying another project car right now, but there's just something. When a car speaks to you, it speaks to you, and this thing was yelling at me. It was saying, hey, we can do some things. So here's what we're doing right now. I'm working on getting storage for either my dart or this charger because I want to bring it home and the price is right. The car is right. I just need to figure out logistically and we're on lockdown right now. So that makes everything difficult. And I'm unsure I'm on shaky ground with the podcast right now because I do have bills associated with the podcast and one of my revenue streams that I use to pay for all my Mopar Hunter endeavors and the podcast was temporarily, hopefully only temporarily shut down. So I'm not getting revenue from those places. So the money I have needs to float me through this whole virus outbreak BS that's going on. So I'm like, okay, God, I I could not buy it that day because I'm planning this all out in my head. Because I, it's my birthday too. So it's March 24th. It's my birthday. It's my 35th birthday. And here I find my next project car. And I didn't even go there looking for a 71 Charger. I went there to look at a 75 Dodge truck. So I'm sitting there like, why does this always happen to me? But I'm thankful. So I'm probably going to end up with this 71 Charger. And I don't know when, probably after this lockdown's done, but I need to get some ducks in a row, storage being one, and then a plan for what I want to do with this car for two because I like working off of a plan. So I found an EL571 charger, folks, and I'm thinking about getting it. My question to you is, is it worth it for me? Should I just you know, pass on it? Should I go for it and create some sort of cool project car for social media? What should I do? What would you do with it? What do you think I should do with it? Let me know. Um, I'll post some stuff on social media about the car and then you can let me know there or you can message me, tell me, send me an email, leave me a voice message. What do you think I should do with this car? You'll see the pictures online and you know, I, I think I'm going to get this car unless somebody buys it out from under me. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get this car. So it's just a matter of time. So that's that. That's, that's, you know, Mopar hunting, you know, I got Dodge fever. And it all started because I stopped at pick and pull on a whim (laughs) and tried to buy a truck off the yard. You know, if it wasn't for that truck, I would have never posted on social media. And the guy who knew the guy with the truck would have never reached out. And I would have never found this EL571 Charger. He also had a 70 Challenger. Now, he keeps telling me that the car is too far gone, but I kind of want to make a play on that car too. And you know what? Hey. Maybe go for the truck too. Let's let's take three of them off this guy's hands. You know, ideally that's what I'd like to do, but storage is just not working out for me right now as far as that goes. I need to move to a place with a shop. But until then, I think I just want to take this 70. I want to save this charger. I think I can save this charger. I think I can turn it into something really cool. And that's the plan. That's the end of this episode. We're an hour in. This is insane. You know, hey, folks, stay healthy out there, okay? That was Mopar hunting. I've got Dodge fever, baby. I was tagged on Instagram by my friend Luke Crosby, who wanted me to fill out some information. And it's one of those, you know, 
hey, fill this thing out so we can learn more about you things. I was about to fill it out, and then I thought, oh, it'd be fun to answer that stuff on the podcast. So here it goes. Let's do a quick speed round. I'm just going to list the category, list my answer, and then we'll shut this show down. Luke Crosby, this one is for you. Shout out to both you and your wife, Olivia Crosby. These two are a young, what I like to call Mopar power couple. They are awesome people. They, you know, I like to live vicariously through them because they always go on these cool Mopar adventures. So they've got a nice collection of Mopars too. I'm a little bit jelly, but (laughs) um, shout out to you guys. If you like to not only listen to this show, but also like to consume Mopar content in other ways like reading, Olivia is a really amazing journalist, and I'm not just, you know, saying that to say it. I really do enjoy all her articles, and you can find her on dodgegarage.com. I will have a link in my show notes to her articles. They're fun to read, and you can just tell in her writing that she really is a true Mopar enthusiast, as is Luke. And like I said, they go on a bunch of fun adventures. Follow them both on Instagram. You can find Luke at luke.mopar.com and Olivia at Olivia.Mopar. So follow them. And that's it for today, folks. So here we go. The Quick 10. My first car, Honda Civic. Number of cars I've owned, too many. Most fun car I've owned, my Dart. My dream car, 69 and a half Dodge Super B. Last car part you purchased, a vintage direct connection license plate. Current car or cars. I have a 69 Dodge Dart. I have a 76 Dodge D100. My daily driver is a 2012 Dodge Ram 1500. My wife has a 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee, not an SRT8. Um, And a small collection of turbo Mopars. If my wife's listening, none of them are mine, sweetie. They're all my dad's, okay? And that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I only have a couple Mopars. (laughs) Um, The last car I sold... Technically, the last car I sold would have been my wife's old Jeep. Worst car I've owned. I had a little four-cylinder S10 pickup truck when I was working construction when I was 18, 19. And that thing was a gutless pile. And I was hauling concrete in it. (laughs) We blew out the rear end. Um, So yeah, that's my experience owning a Chevy. Uh, Most hated car. What did I hate the most? Hmm... I had an 81 Honda Accord uh, for a while that was basically a throwaway car because I wrecked one of my uh, first cars, and that thing was a piece of junk. It was such a piece of junk, this 81 Honda Accord, such a pile that I got pulled over for swerving, and when the cop, the cop thought I was on drugs or drunk, and I took a look at him, and I said, look at this thing. You try and keep it straight on the road. <laughs> and we did a whole field sobriety thing, and it was a big misunderstanding. I told him, look, this thing is a piece of junk. I can't keep it straight on the road. <laughs> and instead of giving me a ticket or impounding it for being unsafe for the road, he sent me on my way after realizing that I was, in fact, not drunk or high. <laughs> so that's that. And last question, if I had $50,000, where would I spend it? I would spend it online on Mopar stuff. (laughs) So that's, those are the quick 10, Luke. I'm sorry to disappoint you, man. My first car wasn't a Mopar. I wanted it to be, but cards just didn't work out, buddy. And I, I rode a Honda Civic. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's the truth. So all you haters out there can take that and use it against me. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's that. So for more information about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget to send me your stories and voice messages. Chris at TalkingMopars.com for emails and 209-28-MOPAR for voicemails to hear yourself on the show. Also, if you have time and you enjoy the show, please take a second to rate and review it. I love seeing your reviews because I value your opinions and they're only going to help me grow and improve the podcast. Another thing you can do to help the show is by voting for Talking Mopars as your favorite podcast by visiting podcastmagazine.com slash hot 50 and voting for Talking Mopars. Let's try and get the show to number one, okay? Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars.
Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.